Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. of our Windy City Storm Hockey Roundtable here in beautiful Chicago, Illinois. There is frost on the ground now as we get out in the morning, so means we're in the middle of hockey season. And uh, today we are going to have Mike Monty, Robbie Merton, two new guys, new blood here for our roundtable, and we are going to talk about entries today. So entries is, uh, is a topic that we talk a lot about uh, talk about a lot here at Windy City amongst our coaching staff and everything, and really, really looking forward to diving into it. So before we do get into that, though, let's let's introduce the guys here. So to my left, we have Robbie Murden. Robbie, why don't you introduce yourself to our uh, to our listeners here? I'm Robbie. I'm really excited to make my debut on the Hockey Think Tank podcast, especially with with Monts as well. Uh, I work. I currently coach with the Windy City Storm. Uh, here in Chicago, and I work with TOEF on a daily basis and some other awesome human beings. Yeah, do you have, like, a background, though? I am. <laughs> Where are you ac- from? <laughs> Where you been? What have I you done? <laughs> so I am originally from Georgetown, Ontario. I actually... Jay Sprague and Mike Knopfley, what's up? <laughs> I came to the States uh, to play college hockey. I played Division Three at Hamilton College and enjoyed my time there and, and started coaching right afterwards. Um, previously, I was at South Kent Selects Academy, and after that, uh, Bishop Carney Selects in Rochester, and now on to Chicago. Love it. Okay. And to my, I guess you're not really to my right, you're to my front, Mike <laughs> Monty. Monts, why don't you introduce yourself to everybody? Well, first off, just want to say happy to be on the podcast. Uh, big supporter of Topher and everything that the Hockey Think Tank has done over these last couple of years. Great work, so excited to be on it. Uh, this is my second year out in the, the Windy City. Uh, came out here last year to take over the U18 team. Um, I started my coaching career back in 2009 uh, as an undergrad at my alma mater, Western New England University. Uh, started my master's there. Shortly thereafter, spent two years uh, and then had stops at the University of Vermont as the director of hockey operations. Uh, Williams College, uh, also in the NESCAC where Robbie Murden played and had the opportunity to be the interim head coach there for one year and uh, also spent some time in the prep school ranks uh, at Loomis Chafee and Albany Academy. So a uh, fun fact, Robbie Murden and I, we, uh, we had uh, a little bit of uh, history before coming to Windy City Storm. Robbie had the, the better of... Uh, Williams College with his Hamilton Continentals throughout his four years. Uh, he was a pretty good player and uh, definitely made me, uh, you know, definitely, you know, put me in the uh, the over over two over three category against him. So uh, would you him. have been there when you would have recruited Robbie or just coached against him? Uh, I would have been there. I think he was a sophomore when I arrived. Oh, okay. So so we was, can't say like, oh, you didn't recruit him. No, kind of no. thing. But uh, he... Uh, That'd be pretty funny, actually. Yeah. Williams did not recruit me, though. <laughs> there we go. Um, okay, so guys, I'm, I'm really excited for this. I'm going to put Robbie on the spot here first because before we even got onto this, we were talking about how we were going to do entries. And you mentioned that at some point, you and Wardo, who's been on the podcast, got into a bit of a wrestling match slash fist fight over <laughs> an entry clip. And so I'm wondering what that entry clip was and what the beef was all about. Yeah, so <laughs> it was over placement of the fourth man on our entries. And on this particular clip, Wardo thought that the guy should be in the dot lane. I thought he should be veered out towards the middle of the ice. Um, and then shout out to Joe Corvo, got to witness us 
you know, they fist fight. So who was right? Corb said I was right. He played in that <laughs> NHL a long time, so I'll take it. Uh, I like it. All right, so let's let's dive into it here. So, Mons, you know, going to you here now. Um, why do you think, because we do a lot of entry stuff here, right? You've been here the longest, and more. we talk about entries and do more entry stuff in practice more than any team that I've ever coached or, or been on. What, what do you think is the method behind the madness? Why do you think it's so important that you put a lot of time and effort into entries in your practice plans? Yeah, I, I, you know, I think as the, the game, you know, we, we start to understand the modern game and, and really put it under the microscope. A couple of things have, have become apparent in the last couple of years. One, you've got to play. You've got to have puck possession mentality. Uh, and two, your best opportunities usually come off the rush. So, uh, you know, that being said, uh, you know, dumping pucks and relying on, uh, you know, turnovers from fort checks and things like that isn't always the best way to generate offense. So if you have the puck and you can really master uh, your entries, you're giving yourself the best chance to score. You're giving yourself the best chance to to be successful. And you know, I, I will say this too, I, I think in my time coaching and the last – 13 years or 14 years of, of you know, being at, at different levels, this is the first time in, in, in my coaching career where I've spent a lot of time on entries. Uh, we're, uh, we practice it almost every day uh, in some way, shape, or form, whether it's the start of practice or it's kind of in the meat of practice. Um, but the fact that we've spent so much time on it has really reaped uh, a, lot of, a lot of benefits for us in terms of our production. I, I would say that uh, this is probably the team that uh, has, has been – the most productive off the rush for me in, in my coaching career. And, um, you know, it, it's clear that the the way the game is played today, you've got to be good on the rush to be successful. So, um, you know, and, and I, I tip my hat to a lot of the guys at Windy City Storm. I think they opened my eyes to, um, you know, different different methods of how to take the middle of the ice and, and being stubborn and taking the inside, excuse me, inside the dots uh, as much as possible, especially early on in the season. Uh, it's something that it takes time to, to, to grow and to perfect. But um, you know, as, as it clicks for guys uh, on your team, once they see how, how powerful it is, you can see the buy-in is, is also equally as powerful and um, you know, we have success from it. Yeah, for sure. And Robbie, like I, I'll throw it to you too because you came from this coaching tree. Uh, let's call it with with a lot of these guys and, and Carl and Doug and and uh, and Wardle and stuff from from South Kent. Like, what have you learned as a coach now, being on this side of it rather than being a player in in the entry structure? And like, w- why do you think it's so important as well? Right. So so Mont's kind of alluded to it. I think where we all see the game going is is derived on skill and it's derived on on puck possession. Um, you know, and if you have skill, you possess pucks, and, and your players can, can skate, like, you're probably going to do well. Um, again, for us, we're really big on trying to possess and, like Mon said, enter through the middle of the ice. And the reason for that is that you work so hard in the defensive zone, in the neutral zone, reloading off the puck um, to be able to counterattack. And so you want to build some predictability when you do have the puck to produce offense off the rush. Um, when I was growing up, a lot of what we were taught offensively just pertained to the offensive zone. And I think now where we see the game going and you watch NHL teams, like if you can manufacture one to two goals per game off the rush, um, it's like the old adage with special teams. If, if you produce one or two, um, you're set up for success moving forward. And I think a lot of that just comes off predictability and, and stuff you can build within drills and throughout practice. I, I think just kind of building on what Robbie says, uh, you know, he makes a lot of great points, but you know, the rush starts from you know, a lot of different facets of the game. It starts from your breakouts. It starts from D-zone. It starts from neutral zone regroups and uh, how you intertwine that rush concept rush theory with with all of those other other concepts in the way that you play is really important too and uh i would say that's something you know in 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 my coaching career has really evolved uh in in you know how do you exit your own zone to to set up your rush opportunity is is something that you know again we focus on a lot uh within our team and i know that a lot of teams across um you know across the world do the same and and i think that's something that's that's really important and really valuable uh, as as we go through this, 
this topic. Yeah, for sure. It's it's one of those things, and you guys remember when Anthony Orine, who's head coach at Tri City, so like they came and they. Uh, you know, they did a practice here. We got to go in and kind of see the process and, and talk about, like, seeing him do a, a a video, like their pre-practice video and things like that. One of the things that he talked about a lot, which is something that we used to talk about at Cornell, is, like, everything is connected. You know, like, your defense and how you track, how you reload connects to then your transition game. How you defend in the defensive zone, it, it should connect to how you break pucks out. You know, and, and all of it kind of, becomes intertwined and I think that's where the rush and entries especially it, it it's a product of being very good on the defensive side of the puck for me like a lot of it is like if you have great back check great track reload whatever you want to call it you're going to put yourself in a better situation to have a better entry uh, because you're gapped up tight and because you're causing those turnovers in the neutral zone now you only have to attack a certain amount of space rather than playing off and now you got to break a puck out which if you look at the analytics I don't know this for sure but I would imagine that most rush chances would come off of turnovers in the, in the neutral zone um, or, or odd man rushes especially um, because you have to go just a certain amount of space rather than a full 200 feet, right? Like people say at the end of games, make them go 200 feet, make them go 200 feet, make them go 200 feet. You're not getting very many rush chances when you have to go 200 feet. So that interconnectedness of like being able to play defensively, and that's one thing that I've learned to do with my team is like really, really, really focus on how good are we defensively in the neutral zone and with our reloads. But with that, it's almost like planting the seed with our players that, hey, we're going to get a lot more offense out of doing these little things really well defensively. And, and a lot of goals are scored on the rush. So if we want to score those goals, we got to do this. It's interconnected. It's one of the things that I've learned that I thought has been awesome. Totally, Toph. Like, on that point, even down, like, Mons, we were just talking about D-zone or exits, right? Like, we will do drills that will focus on, on stalling a puck in the D-zone, exiting a certain way so that we can have four up in the rush. Um, and I've really found, like, like this year in particular, working with a few of our defensemen, connecting that, hey, if you're in, in your spot on the eggs in the D zone, the puck's coming to you, guess what? You're going to be leading the rush and able to play offense. Um, and really... Which is what know, all players want. A hundred percent. It's just, just a great way to create buy-in. Right. Right, and and I think that's really paid dividends. Um, obviously, like we always try and work to have all our practices connect, and, and what we do in different zones connects and, and leads to offense. But but really explaining that to the kids, I've found this year's it's made all the difference. And we have some D who, who like to jump up and, and get in the rush this year, so it's good for sure. And I want to go back to something you said, Robbie, because this is a this is like a, a conversation that I have all the time with coaches and there's certainly not a right answer, but you talked about a level of predictability on your entries. And I feel like there's a very big back and forth between predictability and creativity, right? Like allowing kids to be creative and kind of see things and read and react rather than predictability where guys kind of know where they are and you can put yourself in good situations by being predictable from like a team standpoint. So how do you kind of reconcile the two? Because like you guys are pretty predictable with what you do on your entries. You work on them all the time. I see we practice right after you, but also like, I feel like you guys do a pretty good job of also going with the flow. And when there's a play to be made, make the play instead of like always being a robot and doing things a certain way. So like as a coach, how do you, how do you balance the two, especially when it comes to entry? Because I feel like this is a part of the game that those two different things can, can counteract against each other and can lead to some tension between a coach and a player. Total, totally. Um, so even back to like a year ago or two years ago, I think I was a lot more stringent um, in every entry. This is what we do. Every transition, this is... is D, you have your check down, here's option A, here's option B, here's option C, and option D is this. And wingers, when you get the puck on neutral zone transition, you're getting off the wall, you're doing this. Um, I think this year, like, one of the biggest areas of growth, and again, just we have a lot of good people we work with every day, and we're constantly together and bouncing ideas. I think, like, really early on, definitely hammering um, 
where to be in what spot in the different reads off entry. So like we'll do a drill and anyone who's any kid who's played for me and is listening to this will either cringe or laugh, you know, like Detroit drive, drive, for example, um, where we literally will derive every single look, right? So drive, drives a pass off the pad. Then you do your two man drive cut where, where a guy's coming off the wall behind, behind the mill lane driver's heels in shooting. And then you progress to three man, you hit the seam four man seam to fourth man, whatever. I think this year, one thing that we've, I've adapted and it's, it's been working with good people is really teaching players how to um, identify space, right? So identify different gaps that defensemen have. Identify if they even have the possibility to get off a wall. And then there's always uh, going to be a time and place to adapt and maybe chip a puck behind heels, um, you know, or identify the end of a shift. And, and maybe you have a one-goal lead with three minutes left and you play a bit differently. Um, so I think, like, Personally, in my approach coaching, I've gotten less stringent um, and had to evolve in in letting players kind of autonomously. But still, there's an overall out. idea of. Oh, totally. Yeah. Like, if we have the puck up in the rush, like, everyone who's watched us play knows this. And, like, you're getting the into the middle, you're kicking it, middle, he's driving. You have two kick <laughs> options. He's going to kick on either side, and he's going to put his head down and drive the net. And then the fourth man's going to be up in the rush as well. And it's going to look kind of like a diamond. Um, and there's different looks derived off that. But yes. there's a time and a place to chip pucks. Yeah, I think, Toph, you bring up a great point in terms of the, the creativity versus predictability uh, dilemma. I think we all face as coaches. And I think we all, at some point... in Every some year, w- at like there, there comes to a head between a coaching staff, at higher levels, between a coaching staff and the players of like... Yep. The structure versus let me play. Every yep. every coach has, has been through it, right? Yep. And in some <laughs> in some way, shape, or form, right? Whether it's power play or rushes or whatever it is, like it, it comes up. And I think for me, the the one thing that and you know, like Coach Robbie here says that his his players will cringe when they hear Detroit Drive Drive. Players will you know my former players will or cringe when they hear. Uh, some of my quirky sayings because uh, I come up with a lot of them. For me, <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> he does. For me, the the one that I like to use in this situation is, is it's it's all about balance, and I call it being considerately creative, right? So, hey, I'm okay with you making a play or trying to make a play, but be considerate of the situation, right? Don't force something that's not there. If it's the end of the shift, be considerate of that. Um, if you feel confident that it's 99% you know, the right play, then, then be creative. I'm, I'm okay with that because I think the beauty of, you know, entries and rush, rush play is that, um, you know, it can be a little unscripted and it, there is a little bit of an artist brush that goes along with it. And, you know, I go through every weekend and I watch, you know, all of my rushes and some I say, Ooh, wow, that I didn't draw it up that way, but it was a pretty, you know, it was a pretty good opportunity to score that, you know, tip your hats to your players for being creative or reading the situation. So I encourage my players uh, to be considerately creative in that way, right? Like, hey, make a play if you see it. If you if you trust it and you trust your hockey sense to make that play, try it. You know, if not, be considerate of the situation and rely on the structure. Yeah, that's interesting. We used to call it and shaved coin this guidelines, not gospel, mm-hmm. right? Guidelines got not gospel, and that that's another thing. The art of coaching is like um, you can tell you know a, a player to do something, and a lot of times that player will want to do it every single time and do it exactly how you said it. But a lot of times that's not what the game calls for. So as a coach, it really is an art to create that environment where they feel like they know where to be and how to play within your team structure, but also know when and how to um, make a play. Mm-hmm. Be considerately creative. And, and I think, like, the two aren't necessarily, like, mutually exclusive of each other. So having stringent structure and creativity, I think, like, when we talk about predictability – um, the reason, again, where I think I'm pretty stringent on entry structure, with that being said, like, there's, there's 10, 12 reads within any entry if the four guys up in the rush on your, on your typical four-on-two or three-on-two um, can make within that. So players are using their hockey IQ and their creativity uh, to kind of derive what's best. Yeah, it's almost like every play is somewhat the same, but also somewhat different. Right. Mm-hmm. So you have to fall back on being on the same page as your teammates, but also you're going to have to use some of your creativity to make a play. 
mm-hmm. it, when when the play is to be made. I like that. Um, moving on, another thing that you've talked about a lot, and this is something that I feel like the hockey world is shifting to uh, a little bit more. Like when we were growing up, it was take it wide. Beat the D-Y, beat the D-Y, beat the D-Y. Like, that's all we heard when we were growing up. And and now uh, I would say it's it's definitely shifted more towards get the middle. Like, we want to get the middle of the ice. Um, I know my I talk about my Russian coach all the time. Like, he was a guy, like, if if I heard, if I didn't hear him say, cut to the middle, yeah. like, <laughs> 10 times of practice or during games, like, something was wrong with him. I don't know. He was hung over from the night before. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, but so, you know, you, you, Robbie, you especially, like, you talk about getting in the middle of the ice all the time with, with your players, get off the wall all the time. Why, why do you think for the youth coaches out there that are maybe new to this or some of the people that just want to pick something up, you know, when it comes to their, their own practices, why do you think getting the middle of the ice is so important on an entry? Right. So if you look at how teams defend now in the neutral zone and, and how they track, particularly um, when they have three below the puck, NHL teams, and, and you'll see it at college level, junior level, and now at the midget level, because uh, hockey's a copycat sport, like D will slide outside the dots. Um, so the strong side D, if you're entering wide, will slide to kill a play. By yeah, the blue they're line. being aggressive, gapped right. up, yep. The weak side D is now skating forward often, surfing, even at the midget bantam levels uh, with a lot of teams to take middle lane driver. And then guys are tracking to a quote-unquote high forward or what we call our seam guy on the weak side. And so teams have adapted to just skating wide. The days of defensemen living solely between the dots um, is over now as you move up and people have adapted. I think for us, like the biggest thing, the reason you get the middle um, is to compress both defensemen closer together in middle ice. Um, And again, we talk about wide ice. Well, you're skating to the middle so you can open up more wide ice. Uh, by attacking through the middle, two things happen. Either the D don't compress to the middle, in which case, Hello. skate right through right them through. and take the breakaway. <laughs> um, or they do compress to the middle, which opens up that much more wide ice, which gives the guys, we call it kicking the puck out wide after you compress the D. If you kick the puck out wide, I love well, how you're like putting this in air quotes with your fingers. Like we're on video; it's a podcast. Totally, <laughs> first time for everything here, Toby. Um, so when the puck does go out wide, at that point, if the D are sucked in closer to the middle, guess what? Your guys have more time to work within the structure of where the other guys are, but also use their skill sets, their creativity uh, to derive what the best option is so it's just it's just opening up more more time um for players to make plays um and again tenor with possession um and not be forced when d slide if you're entering wide to dump a puck and you work so hard to get that puck back and now we're not even getting a shot we're dumping and and defending again so yeah what about you mots what do you think Uh, yeah to build on robbie's points about taking the middle of the ice i think the other part that has really evolved for me is the the evolution of skill development, especially puck protection. I think when I was younger, when I thought about puck protection, I thought about along the walls or, or things like that. Just like in the corners, right? That's yeah, just in the corners. But now, like, you watch these these kids coming up and they're you know they're, the dexterity of where they can handle pucks on either side of their body or how to use how to use their body as a shield um, helps them to to create lanes uh, you know within the middle of the ice that. Um, I certainly didn't grow up thinking about, um, and that helps us to to create space getting to the middle of the ice, for instance, getting off the wall um, or getting that, you know, like Coach Ward says, uh, getting that F1, getting that tracker on your back on your numbers, right? And that's that's all about puck protection and understanding how to use your body and, and how to be... Um, you know how you know how to how to handle pucks on either side of your body, so you can create that lane and you can fight for the middle. Recognize um, where the pressure is coming from, yeah. shielding off. Yeah, for yeah. Sure. I think that's 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 been a huge change, and and that's helped. Again, I think for me, that's that's helped. Uh, you know, my players to understand how to get to the middle when, um, you know, it's it's something that, you know, you you want your players to be confident doing. And, like, to that point, Mons, right, like, it can't be understated enough how important 
after the players know where to be in what spot, like teaching the skills within the structure is everything. And that's where we're all, <coughs> all three of us, excuse me, are pretty fortunate here to have really good skill development staff um, to talk about different things and, and kind of thought experiment with different things to help players get extra little competitive advantages all over the ice um, based on stuff within structures. So Carl works on like his deceptive crossover kickouts with our players. Again, just little layers that you can add Just on. explain what that is really quick for the people that don't. What's a crossover kick? You're basically kicking the puck out while you're crossing right, over. Right, like yeah. a mid-crossover um, to create extra deception to make defensemen think you're going one direction and kicking, but then you kick back against the grain of your body another. And again, little um, competitive advantages that you can teach through skills, I think, is what makes all this stuff work. And like we, you talked about earlier, Toph, like if the parent or player, sorry, understand the why of what they're doing, um, all of a sudden stuff that's perceived as structure or we'll say systems within your offense, like it becomes that much more or less mundane. Um, and back to the robot talk, we've all had skilled players who the first two months of the season, they're being taught and told how they have to enter a puck. I can think of one player in particular who's really good, Division One commit, saying, Coach, I feel like I'm like a robot with the puck right now. And you flash forward a month when he's seeing all the different options and scoring two goals a game off the rush or setting up to, um, and all of a sudden entry structure is pretty cool to that individual kid when it starts to click. But it's like anything, it's learning blocks. Yeah, and, and going along with what you guys are talking about, the middle, you know, I think the gap is really important from the D when you talk about that stuff because, and, and that's why I think having good gaps as a D is so important when we talk about the defensive side of the puck because then you're not allowing guys to get to the middle of the ice and <clears throat> something that um i learned and again my russian coach he was always get the puck to the middle get to the middle but then brandon Rado, like recently he's a guy i talk about a lot because i learn a lot from him when when i talk hockey with him he talks about attacking the offside d you know because a a lot of what you're trying to do offensively is create a little bit of chaos you're trying to create switches anytime you can do that it's and, and you're forcing the defense maybe it's not even the defenseman but the defensive team to have to make a decision on which guy to take that can lead to a lot of offense so when you get to the middle you're creating this chaos because now if i'm going uh, down the right hand side of along the wall and i'm driving on the wall i know which person's going to get me <laughs> that defenseman on on that side is going to get me and that's an easy play defensively to make now if i get the puck to the middle now the d got to communicate with each other now they got to communicate with their guy that's tracking who has to pick somebody else up and a lot of times what you see from bringing the puck to the middle or attacking the offside d is you're creating switches and you're creating confusion within that and now you kick to somebody else who's wide open because two people are going to one and now that just creates a numerical advantage. There you go. Bada bing, bada boom. I've seen it happen a lot offensively this year. I've seen it a lot happen defensively this year against my team too. Right? So um, I just think it's, uh, yeah, getting the puck to the middle and then using those skills like you talk about, the, the crossover kick out. And, you know, the thing that Adam Nicholas and Belfry and Carl are really big on too is like the hook passes, like putting the pack yeah. pass between the stick and the, the defender skate. Uh, maybe it's a little sauce pass. Um, understanding the pressure and the gap of the of the defenseman because maybe you can make that pass before the stick. Maybe you make that pass underneath the stick. And that's why I think Power Edge Pro, like it's so much better to do it with a moving target because then it just gives you so much better muscle memory to, to be able to make those plays and make those passes uh, in the games. But I agree, man, like getting the middle um, and, and understanding and recognizing how important that can be and then teaching those skills with it, it can you can be loading your players with so many freaking benefits to be able to score goals. Totally. And that's, like, to your point about attacking the offside D, like, like for us on inverted rushes, right, so maybe two-on-threes, two-on-twos, two-on-fours, one-on-twos, like, we talk a lot about attacking the weak side D. And the reason for that, beyond the compression part of, of it, right, is that when we touched on earlier, 
the days of D just backing up straight inside the dots are over. You'll see D skating forward from the weak side to try and kill plays early. Um, so the more you can tempt defensemen to cross up with each other, run into each other, um, and com compress ice or cross drop on a two-on-two, um, the more good opportunities arise. And that's where players can use their skill within. Um, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In hockey IQ for sure so let's now talk about like when you mentioned the inverted rushes there but like let's talk about when maybe you don't have a great advantage maybe the the defense has good gaps and again this is a, a fight that every coach has with their team every year is the play at the blue line right like are you going to turn you're going to make plays and turn pucks over you can get in and go get it um, how months I'll go to you first you know having coached at college hockey been a head coach at division three level like how are those conversations? I'm sure you've had those conversations and what are those conversations like and how do you teach the, the balance between the two? Yeah, I think those conversations because have just, yeah, like just to, sorry to cut you, but like just to give more context, right? Like we talked at the beginning, how you can create so much offense off of playing good defensively and causing other teams to turn bucks over. Now we flip it and now, okay, what do we want to do? Because we know that if we turn pucks over, it's given the other team a pretty good chance to go back on us, right? So it's just just wanted to add that for context, but go ahead. Yeah, I think as I've changed uh, or, or I've been at different levels, that conversation has changed, right? When you're in college hockey, you only play 34 games uh, at the Division three level, 25 games. So every game is so important. Every you know, it's It's about getting the big W. At this level, I think it's more about helping players to be confident in those situations so that when they get to college hockey, they understand what they have to do and you really don't necessarily have to have those conversations all the time. So I think getting back to your question, Tof, I, the, the conversation has has shifted for me where, you know, at the, at the college level was don't turn the puck over at the, at the blue line. Uh, whereas now it's, okay, let's make this a teaching moment for you. Okay, you know, what could you maybe do instead of uh, – play X or play Y, uh, and, and, and why is that important? And making it a teaching moment is, is so important at this level. I think that if we do our job as U15, U16, U18 coaches, junior coaches, um, when we set up our players to, to go on to the next level, they understand fundamentally um, you know, what's the right play and what's not. And again, I go back to my, you know, my quirky quote, considerately creative, right? What's the right play? given the situation, given the circumstances, given the gap, given time of game. That's another thing too, right? Like offensive blue line plays, uh, you know, last two minutes of a period, you you know, you may want to change your mentality a little bit because you, you don't want to give that turnover because your deer are a little bit tired or, or, or whatever it is. But I think, you know, the, the biggest thing, uh, you know, for me is, you know, when you have that conversation at this level, it's, it's got to be about teaching. It's got to be about, hey, you don't have a play, maybe just chip it behind, What's your what's your retrieval plan from there? If you have three guys uh, on the rush, good gap, don't have a play at the offensive blue line, maybe it's a chip behind him, the middle guy goes in, retrieves that puck, he uses the back of the net, we go low to high, we get into in-zone offense play from there. And to me, that's a great play, right? Like, you're not going to generate uh, off of every rush. It's just not possible given the way the game has so many different variables. So I think it's it's everything's a teaching moment, uh, especially at this level. Um, so that, you know, our players are set up to, to make those decisions at the next level or wherever they, they go to next to, to, you know, not have to, not have to have that fight when we, we, you know, when college <laughs> coaches get them. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You mentioned, and Robbie talked about predictability, you talk about like your routes in the neutral zone and how important those are. Um, because when teams play really good defensively, those routes are really, really important. So what are you doing with your other players? What are you doing with your weak side D? Is your, are you encouraging your weak side D to get up to have a fourth option when the puck's coming up the wall? What are you doing with your center? Do you want your center low and slow to have that? Or do you want your center high? 
Uh, so maybe it's a chip along the wall and that center's going to go get it. Do you want to have your, your weak side guy as the one who's cutting across the ice? So if there's not a play to be made, the defense is right up you and the only play to, to make is, is uh, an indirect off the wall. Where's your puck being placed? Where are you chipping pucks to? What's your release structure after you're done with that? Where are guys going to once you get it? Because the defensive team's going to try and kill plays right away once you do chip them in. So how often and how fast are you going to get those pucks? And then once that person gets that puck and he's got D-men right on him, where is he releasing it to? Is it to the dot? Is it behind the net? Is it a rim release? There are so many different ways that you can go. But like you have to have a little bit of a plan as, as a coach to be able to counteract when you're, you aren't able to have the, the time and space right to to play and I think we don't talk enough about that as well um I think just in general in hockey when we talk about entries and we talk about rushes um it's a lot of you know three on twos it's a lot of two on ones but I think where coaches really get their paycheck is in those times where maybe it isn't as easy as that and now we're we're in a in a plan and now we're playing from a team way where we can still continue to get those pucks, even if it's not a easy, simple entry play. Totally. Like Tof, I know how much you love like my hockey rankings and stuff. Oh, and it's my favorite. Check them 24. Oh yeah. Here we um, go. And so like when we're talking to prospective families about coming here and always in my entering meeting, uh, both with the parents and then a bit differently with the players, it's always like guys, if you, if, you're concerned about our wins and losses or goal differentials the first three months of the season, um, I advise you, you don't watch any of the games the first two months. Like after Halloween, maybe it'll tighten up a bit. Um, and a big part of that is what we're talking about is rushes. Like I all day, and again, I've been at the midget level and one year at the Bantam level, um, and not at the college level or the pro level where you, where you, yeah, your job is to win games. Like at this level, like Mon said, like our job is to make sure that kids are supremely confident and prepared uh, when they go to their next level, whether that be major junior, USHL, North American League, wherever it is. Um, and so like for me, like things like blue line turnovers, like if the process is good all day, I'm okay with a defenseman, if we exit through our net front D, lugging a puck up, attempting to kick it after they've compressed the D, turning it over, and us getting scored on on a three-on-one the other way. Like, that happens a lot the first few months of the season. Um, and I think, like, if you want especially young teenagers to play a super possession, exciting, modern style, you've got to be okay with, like, same thing in our offensive zone when we activate our D a ton. Um, you've got to be okay with guys running into each other and giving up three on O's. Um, and I think, like, part of that is just just suffering through it, falling on your sword. Um, and then down the road, building um, awareness of situations. Like, now we're at the point where it's like, hey, so-and-so, like, three minutes left, we're up by a goal, like, Maybe just chip that one in behind the D's heels. Um, but but it's a constant build, and I don't think you can be, for lack of a better term, like half pregnant um, in teaching, especially with younger kids. And, and you've got to be willing to, to kind of accept the good with the bad early on. And just because we haven't gotten enough Mike Monty quirky quotes, uh, <laughs> I'll, give, I'll give the group here another one. Uh, actually... Fun fact about this one, uh, some of the U18 players made a meme uh, with me saying this one. But uh, <laughs> um, anytime there's a turnover offensively or defensively, I always say to my players, five hard strides. Uh, so kind of building on what Robbie's saying is, hey, you're going to turn pucks over sometimes. But it's the mentality of we want the puck back. And the, the first thing automatically you have to think about is five hard strides. And if you do that, your track is good. Your return to D zone coverage is good. Uh, and, you know, the opportunity maybe even just to strip a puck and go back on, you know, the, the attack is, is good. So, uh, you know, kind of enforcing that, hey, you're going to make mistakes sometimes too, and, and that's okay. But the, the way you respond via five hard strides is really important, uh, just like it would be if we turn a puck over uh, on the offensive side. We want, our, we want our players in the rush. 
It's it's all about that mentality. So five hard strides, that was the meme? Five hard strides. Oh, and I if thought you it was going to be something other than that. But <laughs> Which photo did they use? Uh, I think it was my Elite Prospects uh, photo. <laughs> so uh, Toph will get that to you. You can post it on. Uh, there we go. The, the That'll Topher be our, uh, our artwork. We're going to get it. I'm going to get it from your guys. I love it. <laughs> uh, okay. Last thing I want to talk about when it comes to entries here is net drive. I feel like that is such an important part of entries as you're entering the zone. Um, t- entries entering the zone. Way to go, Toph. Um, <laughs> but like entry, like net drive is 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 everything. And anytime offensively, you're putting the goalie in a situation where they feel a little bit more uncomfortable, is always putting yourself at a little bit of an advantage offensively. And so, a couple things. I have one question for you guys, and that is. When you enter the zone and you kick it, would you rather have your middle drive guy drive to the near post, the far post? Does it matter? I feel like some people it really matters a lot. Some people they could care less. What do you guys think? So I always tell my guys to drive hard off uh, the strong side D's inside shoulder. Um, and then again, like this. And is, to interfere, but not really interfere with him? Correct. We call it getting a little bit of skin. Um, <laughs> act like you don't realize you're skating through the guy. Maybe you accidentally stick lift that D, do something to affect him. Um, I think, like, for us, it depends, too, on, on the look, right? So on two-on-twos, like, we work a lot in practice on what we call drive cut, um, where a guy drives a puck through the middle, kicks the puck out wide, and drives a strong side post. Um, and a drive cut is when the guy receives a kick on the wall side, cuts hard 90 degrees off of the middle lane driver's heels, and tries to get to the middle of the ice and shoot. So on drive cut scenarios all day, we have them driving strong uh, near side post. Um, on three on twos or four on twos, for me, like, as long as you're skating somewhat to support towards the guy you're kicking to, you're going between the two defensemen in the middle and you're driving as hard as you can and you make sure you stop on that crease, I could not care less. Um, but that's my opinion. Mons? Yeah, I, I think I'm a little bit uh, on the fence with this too. Uh, first thought when you ask that question is strong side post for sure, but I just think that there's so many variables that the middle driver has to you got to make a decision, right? If if the puck carrier is a little bit wider than we'd like him to, obviously we'd like him a little bit more inside towards the dots. Um, you know, you, you probably, you know, if he's more towards the outside or more towards the boards, you probably want him a little bit more towards the strong side. Um, but you also don't want, you want to create a little bit of space and separation and balance the ice with your, with your middle driver. You know, if your guy's more inside towards the dots, maybe you want him a little bit more, you know, off that uh, off that far post for a pass-off pad opportunity, right? And, you know, it's tough to say, oh, the pass-off pad is, is for that F3 guy coming in the dot lane because sometimes it doesn't it just bou- doesn't bounce there, right? Sometimes it's right in front. So I think that there's there's a lot of variabilities, and it, it's in some ways you got to leave the artistic license up to that F2, the middle driver, to, to do the work. And, you know, the biggest thing is, uh, you know, think the thing I tell my guys is just make sure you get there and create the space and, um, you know, don't worry so much about, oh, should I go here? Should I go there? Just get back, create that, create that space, push the D back, and then we'll work from there. I like it. I like it. And the one thing that I'm noticing a lot more just in watching the NHL as it starts to play is that little interference that you were talking about. They all do it now. Everybody does it, whether it's just the like stick a, the stick lift, whether it's just kind of shoulder to shoulder. I mean, you're seeing... I, I'm wondering if the ref, I'm sure the refs know about it. I don't know what like their meetings are behind closed doors before the season and what to call and what not to call, but you're definitely seeing a little bit more of that because I, I, I think that what you were saying, even when you kick it, sometimes you want to still get more pucks to the middle. And so if you're running a little bit of interference or it can even create a, another pass lane, like if you're driving the net, you interfere with that guy or his stick, and now it helps to get that puck over to the F3 on the, the wide side dot lane or the F4 or F4 D1, whoever the fourth guy right. is coming right. up, you know? So I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a big, big proponent of that. I don't know if I t- even talk about it that much with my team, but I see it all the time when I watch. <laughs> Actually, this year, I feel like we've talked about it more than, I ever have, which has been great. And that's, again, because coaching with with Corbs, who played, like, 
Joe Corvo, seven hundred something games in the right. NHL. Like quarterbacks, even in power the plays. zone, like he talks about a lot about like how to pick without explicitly picking. Yeah, or how to just buy an extra half second um, for your teammate when they have the puck, and it's honestly that's gone a long way for our little fifteen-year-olds the last month. Awesome. It's just little diversions and picks and stuff like that. And yeah, as we're kind of wrapping up this topic here too, I think just a couple of things I want to share that have really helped me and, and my team have success in understanding this is uh, video. Tons of video, tons of repetition. Every week uh, I put together, uh, you know, a recap of uh, our, our weekend series or our weekend showcase games. And, um, you know, by... You know, by category, uh, I, I, I align a lot of clips that I think our guys need to see. So, for instance, we might, we might show a lot of uh, line rush clips where there's different situations. Um, and I, in addition to presenting this to the team, I also send it to them so they can go back and look at it. So I would encourage anybody who has the capability to, to use video um, to, to, to study it in, in that way. Take all of your, your team's rush clips. Um, you know, take, you know, five good ones, five ones that you feel like you can learn from, make a little presentation, send it to your kids via Google Drive uh, and, and let them, you know, let them see it on their own. I think, uh, you know, as, as my coaching philosophy has, has evolved over the last couple of years, I've learned to use a lot of uh, Google Drive and a lot of that do-it-yourself kind of mentality where they can watch and, and learn on their own. I think kids are very, very good at that nowadays with the, the way that education has changed. Uh, I've I've adopted that that mentality too, but it helps a lot. It helps it helps kids understand exactly what they have to do. Uh, it'll help you as a coach to understand and and kind of see the, the the bird's eye view of rushes as they unfold, uh, and it just creates that consistency week in and week out. And you know the, the one thing about rushes, I, I will say to to Robbie's point about you know not watching games until Halloween, it it is a process. It does take time, but the benefits absolutely outweigh the you know anything else when you finally when you finally get it to click i like it well good stuff guys this was about 45 minutes on some entries and rushes good work but now is the fun part now is the fun part because i've done this with wardo and i've done this with ras and their uh debuts of coming on the hockey think tank podcast because we got some people to thank Got some people to thank, and we're going to put you guys right on the spot to see if we can thank them properly. So, uh, who wants to go first? How about Mons? We're going to put you on the spot first. Gelsticks is a very, very big supporter of the Hockey Think Tank. They are a title sponsor. So, if you can, give them uh, a little bit of a thank you. Does it have to be anyone in hockey, or is it just just in general? You're just thanking Gelsticks, baby. Just, just Gelsticks? Thank Gelsticks for being the title sponsor of our podcast. Okay. Thank you, Gelsticks. <laughs> Wait, am I actually? You gotta, oh. you, you gotta do the oh, gig. You oh, gotta, I you gotta it like, you gotta freaking like, this is an ad read. Oh, let's go. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Like people, I'm thanking people that I want to thank. No, 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 no. We as a podcast, <laughs> we, oh. we as a podcast are thanking Gelsticks for being the title sponsor oh. of our Gelsticks. Thank you very much for all that you do. Uh, fantastic product. I encourage everybody to go out buy one right now. Um, I've seen uh, Max Scott actually uses the gel stick for practice. He does. Uh, as yep. one of Coach uh, Topher's assistants, he uses it uh, to push pucks. So while he's, while he's coaching and, you know, getting, uh, you know, helping out uh, the 16s, he's also getting a little workout in and making his passes a little bit crisper, which is awesome. Gel sticks, your number one weighted training sticks. Go to gelstx.com. And if you want to use the coupon code thinktank, one word, to get a discount on your weighted training sticks. Uh, Robert, yes. Robert Murden, talk to me about Train Heroic. Train Heroic is an awesome resource. Uh, on behalf of the Hockey Think Tank, we really appreciate the sponsorship from Train Heroic. Um, and what is it, Robbie? It is a great resource for <laughs> players and coaches. Oh, Robbie fast forwards through our ad reads, I think. So I actually thought you wanted us to like thank people that, you know, like you're thankful for in your life. You know, it is November, <laughs> it's Thanksgiving. So well, I'm, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm, gonna, I'm thankful for my mom and my dad. Uh, <laughs> thank you, mom and dad. Thank you for everything. Um, 
Thank you, Topher, for having me on the podcast. Thank you, Robbie, for making me laugh on a daily basis. Thank you for not rubbing in the fact that you beat us uh, several times in, in, the, in the NESCAC semifinals. Uh, it's still a painful one. I, I wasn't to... even playing that game. Yeah. It's all good. You were taking stats, and you still beat us. Yeah. Uh, and thank you to all the listeners. There you go. Well, I'm going to finish off with Train Heroic <laughs> before we go because Train Heroic, awesome training app, Jeff's training app. Uh, you can train with Jeff, do all of his workouts. He's got a million different workouts, whether you want to be a, a high-level athlete, whether you want to be a, um, you know, just be a little bit fitter and be a little bit healthier. So it's an app on your phone. Download it today. Look for Jeff's workouts, R-I-P-T, Ripped. Of course, Jeff's company's name is Ripped, but it is R-I-P-T because he's also... Cons- what is it? Create constructively create no, conservatively creative. What was considerately it? Considerately creative. Considerately creative. And five hard strides. And five hard strides. Right. Uh, so uh, download Train Heroic on your app today. And we also want to thank IceHockeySystems.com, your number one site for all your hockey education needs. So uh, we use this to plan our practices. I use it extensively for all my uh, drawing of my drills, and I can uh, send them out to all my players, send it to all the coaches and everything. They have come up with, with the Hockey Think Tank, an association platform that a ton, like honestly, I just got the numbers for this the other day. A ton of organizations are using this. And basically what you do, you pay one price, all the coaches and parents in your organization get access to it. Your coaches get access to thousands of drills, whiteboard drawings, uh, your drill drawing software. You can uh, draw up your drills and send them out and store them and give them to all your players and coaches. Uh, the Hockey Think Tank Parent Survival Guide is a part of that as well. So all of the parents within your organization uh, gets access to the Hockey Think Tank Parent Survival Guide. Uh, so just an awesome resource. IceHockeySystems.com. Look for the Associations tab, and, uh, and it'll be there for you. And as always, thank you, thank you, thank you to all of our awesome listeners. Uh, we so appreciate all of your support for what we're doing. We so appreciate you pressing the download button and listening to us every week. We so appreciate all the feedback that we get too, whether it's from uh, you know just DMs or, or people emailing us to shooting us ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you're getting your podcasts. Um, you know those those go a long way for us because uh, we want to be the best that we can be as well, and we want to continue to spread the positive word throughout the hockey world. So we appreciate all of your support. Uh, hope you enjoyed this episode on entries with a one Robbie Murden and a one Michael Monty. So we look forward to seeing you back here with Vex next week and then another Windy City Roundtable after that. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, guys. It was awesome to be on this after being a listener for a couple of years. There we go. Yeah. To be here. Thanks, Toph. All right, off to plan practice. Let's go. Let's go.